Welcome to the Kingsway Christian Fellowship Home Service. We hope that you'll be blessed as you listen to this audio sermon streamed live from Melbourne, Australia. Kingsway Christian Fellowship is a family Bible-based non-denominational church preaching Jesus Christ, based in Wonturner. Visit www.kingswaychristianfellowship.com. Now here's brother Johnny Jordan. Switching over to Brother Johnny. Amen. Greetings and good morning to everybody. I'm glad uh, to once again be in the fellowship of such beautiful people singing such lovely songs. It's been a long time. Uh, through technology, we're able to still connect and make contact, even though we can't meet face to face and be within uh, arm's reach of each other uh, by God's grace. Technology has allowed us to get together and be able to still be in fellowship and still worship God. There's no distance uh, when it comes to God. There's no separation. Uh, we all got to be just in the same attitude of prayer, same mind, and God still unites us. Thanks again to uh, Pastor Werner, Ella Schultz. Appreciate you guys. Always thinking about you. I think when the restrictions lift, you know, uh, I'll be coming to knock on your door and just have a cup of coffee or something. Um, Pastor Gary, bless you and your family. Thanks again for allowing us to just come and share with you guys, to the leadership. Thanks, guys. It's always a privilege and I'm humbled by it. And uh, trust me and believe you when I say this, uh, I don't take it lightly. Uh, this is a precious uh, gift, uh, the gift of sharing the word of God. We're living in a time where people are sharing uh, perversions. They, 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 they're sharing heresies. And so we've got to be very careful who we allow to share. And uh, to be uh, allowed to share to you guys is really an honor, and it's quite humbling for me. I'm at home in my lounge. Um, I've got my wife, got my mother-in-law and my father-in-law in this off camera. Uh, they're with us this morning. And yes, we're going to have a good time in God's presence. I'm going to pray. But we come before you this morning in Jesus' name. Thank you for another day you've given us. Thanking you for the opportunity to just share, you know, your word to your sons and to your daughters. The opportunity to just uh, glorify the name of Jesus. The opportunity to worship you and adore you, O God. Pray that we can be built up through your word. That we can just continue to grow, Lord God, as we would apply the principles of your word into our lives and begin to see the fruit. Fruit, O God, after your word. In Jesus' name. Bless us as we further tarry in your presence. Amen. The title of my message this morning is, it's a simple one. Um, a simple title for a complex time. It's called Pursue God. The title is Pursue God. The inspiration I get it from is found in the book of Matthew chapter 13, verses 44 to 46. I'm a reason that this is a new international version. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy went and sold all of that he had and he bought that field. 
When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and he bought it. Amen. Pursue God. We're living in a time and in an era because of many things happening in our on planet Earth, in our country, COVID-19, we've got the unrest in America, we had the fires, we had the floods, we've got so much going on in the world, and everybody is like on standby mode. We're all on pause. Churches were closed. Sporting centers were closed. Schools were closed. People's jobs ended. Companies stopped working. The entire planet went on pause because of fear of the spread of a disease. Only essential services were told that they can function. And our attitude was an attitude of just sit down, stay inside, and don't do anything. And an attitude seems to have somehow filtered into the spiritual attitude of the church. The attitude of stop, pause, don't do nothing, stay back, hide inside, be careful, be in fear. That attitude has entered the heart of many Christians. And we have stopped doing our basic fundamental, which is to pursue God. And I want to just remind us as a church, remind us as the body of Christ to not stop. I want to remind us to continue. I want to remind us to take off restrictions from our spiritual walk. Let's not be quarantined spiritually. Let's not be locked away spiritually. Let's not be anchored down spiritually. Let's continue to pursue God. That verse I read, Matthew chapter 13, verse 44 and 46, speaks of the kingdom of God, speaks of the, the beauty, the value, the power that's in the kingdom of God. During this time, beloved, be reminded, nothing's changed in God's kingdom. Nothing has devalued in God's kingdom. Our super in Australia has devalued. The price of property has devalued. Uh, the prices of petrol took a nosedive. Entire continents took up. Financial plummet. They're speaking about an economical downfall. They're speaking of downgrading in the economy. But the kingdom of God has not changed. The kingdom of God still remains supreme. The kingdom of God still remains like a precious gem. Amen. The kingdom of God still remains as a treasure hidden in the field. The kingdom of God is still beautiful. It's precious and it's still worth pursuing. Even though physically on earth we've stopped. Good people, children of God, brothers, sisters, boy, girl, do not stop pursuing the kingdom of God. Do not stop seeking after. Do not stop pressing in. Do not stop desiring because God still hears. Amen. He is on the throne and he remembers his own. He is a faithful God. He is the one who is, who was, and is to come. He remains strong and supreme. 
He controls all that there is. He is not the president. He is not the prime minister. You see, the difference between God and our earthly leaders is this. Our prime minister had to wake up this morning. The president of the United States, he had to wake up this morning. The national God had to wake up this morning. But guess what? Our God neither sleeps nor does he slumber. He did not need to wake up because he's always been up. He's always been in control and he's always been in charge. Be encouraged. Stir up your most holy faith. Put your best foot forward and pursue, pursue, pursue. I want to talk about three things that aid and support the believer in their pursuit of God. I want to talk about three things that encourage, three tools that we need as children of God to live a life of constant pursuing, constant fighting, constant pressing forward no matter what the circumstance or situation is. I want to speak about love. Yes, L-O-V-E, love for God. That's a simple word, yet it's so profound. Loving God, loving Jesus, loving the Holy Spirit, loving kingdom business, loving godliness. The Bible speaks in the book of Matthew chapter 22, verses 37 to 38. Matthew chapter 22, verse 37 to 38. Bible says, Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. Why love? You see, when you take away money, when you take away comfort, when you take away food, when you take away everything that belongs to a human being, you cannot dig deep and take away what they feel inside. If you've got love in your heart, that love cannot be taken away no matter what circumstance you find yourself in. If you love the Lord thy God, guess what? You continue to pursue him even though your money is, uh, is, is getting depreciated. If you love the Lord thy God, you still continue to pursue him even though you're sick. If you love the Lord your God, you continue to pursue him even though they're persecuting you. The Bible speaks of in the early days when they persecuted the children of God. They refused to deny the association with Jesus because they loved Jesus. Jesus, when he was being persecuted, when he was being tortured on his way to Calvary, he refused to give up. He refused to give in because he was propelled and driven by one source, one power, the power of love. He loved you and he loved me and that love allowed him to go forward no matter what he felt in his body. If you and I as children of God can engage the power of just simply Loving God, guess what? Nothing can stop you. When the economy fails, you still serve him. Why? Because you love him. When things go wrong around your life, you continue to serve him. Why? Because you love him. When the church people push you out, you continue to serve him. Why? Because you love him. 
when the laws change against the church and they say churches cannot open, we continue to serve him through Zoom. Why? Because we love him. The technology fails us and we cannot serve God on this platform. We continue to serve him. Why? Because we love him. We got to go back to the old fashioned way of serving God simply because I love him. I remember a few years ago, I led a lady to the Lord and she had come in and she was a backslider and she said the sinner's prayer. We prayed for her, gave her a Bible and we began a counselor and take her through a different series as a newborn Christian. And a few weeks later, she was back in the world. She was drinking, she was smoking. And I remember asking her, I said, uh, young lady, tell me why, like, what's happened? You, you started off so well, you were so faithful. You know, you were at the prayer meetings, uh, we, we prayed for you, you were confessing your sins and that, what's changed? She says, Johnny, I prayed for a job and God did not give me a job. And so I can't serve a God that cannot answer my prayers. You see, and I told her, the problem with her was the fact that she came to God looking for things. She came to God looking for a reward and then she'll serve God. No, the requirements in serving God, the requirements in following God, the requirements in pursuing God and his kingdom and his righteousness is to love him first. Because when you love him, you will press in and you'll press through. God never ever told us that it would be easy. No, sir. He says, I send you forth as sheep among the wolves. He made it very clear. The world is against us. The teachings of the world are carnal. The ways of the world are carnal. But he says, guess what? If you stay in me, remain in me, and I'll remain in you, you'll endure to the end and you'll be saved. We've got to dig deep and love him and serve him because we love him. That's the main ingredient. Acts chapter, Acts chapter 13 and verses 22. After removing Saul, he made David the king. God testified concerning him. I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. He will do everything that I want him to do. Now, the Bible speaks of David. We know the story David and Goliath. David was a little shepherd boy. David was not perfect. David was not uh, a studious boy. David was not born of some fancy genealogy or anything. He was an ordinary young man, but David loved the Lord. David had a heart where he had a strong love for the things of God. When he was a shepherd boy by himself out in the field, David was able to serve and worship God in the beauty of holiness because David loved God. God selected David to be king only because David had this one ingredient. He was a man after God's own heart. A man after God's own heart. That's the requirement. You don't need to be perfect. All you need to do is have a strong love in your heart for God. And guess what? God will select you and place you in a place where he can use you for his kingdom. You want to pursue God, have a heart after God's own heart, which means that even though you're imperfect, even though you are unworthy, guess what? He makes you worthy, and your faith in him is enough because of the love that you have for him. You are able to press in 
and seek him and sacrifice who you are and the ways of the old Adamic nature to, uh, to successfully propel yourself to bring God's word. Loving God, David, a man after God's own heart. That's all that God requires. If you can just love our God. Hallelujah. Loving him, loving him, loving yes. him. Now look, to love God means to love his word. So to say I love you is not enough. To say, God, I, I worship you is not enough. You have got to get yourself into the very nature of who God is. You've got to converse with God. You've got to understand God's chain of thought. You've got to understand God's perfect plan. You've got to understand God's master plan for your life. You've got to understand God's compass, the direction in which he's pointing you. And that source is found in his word. The Bible says his word or his thoughts. This is God's heartbeat. His word. He upholds his word higher than himself, the Bible says. Psalm chapter 1, verse 1 to 13. The Bible says, Blessed is the one who does not step, walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on this law day and night. Bible says that person is like a tree planted by the streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do shall prosper. What am I saying to you uh, this morning? In the era of COVID lockdown, in the era of where the world is just going crazy, there's riots, there's fights, there's protests, the economy is just collapsing. Things are just going around, bad around us. You've got to dig deep into the heart of God. You've got to get into the word of God. Hide me, Lord, in your word. That's got to be your attitude. David says, uh, when I'm overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. That's the secret. If you love God, if you love Jesus, get into his word. Get into the scriptures. Understand God. The world is in fear. I need faith. What must I do? God, there's sickness around me. What must I do? Get into his, into his word. Dig yourself deeper and deeper into his word. When negative thoughts of fear come, guess what? Jump into God's word deeper and deeper and so forth that I love you, God, and that's why I will concern myself with every matter and every issue concerning you. The second one I want to talk about Second tool that we need in serving God and pursuing him in this 21st century, in this time, and in this era, another simple one, obedience. Like, loving God is one thing. Saying you love him is one thing. Having a desire to serve and follow him is one thing. But when you obey God, everything changes. When you obey God. First Samuel chapter 15, verse 22. But Samuel replied, Does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as in obeying the Lord? To obey is better than sacrifice, and to he is better than the fat of rams. Obedience. When you hear God speak and you follow that direction, that's obedience. Obedience is when the world is in fear and God says, only believe, that's obedience. 
when the world says, no more church, no more church, but we obey him by getting onto Zoom, getting onto Facebook, getting onto WhatsApp, and still having fellowship, that's obedience. When the world says, ah, it's no use serving God, but you continue to serve him, that's obedience. When the world says to the church, stop, 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 give up, but you continue to serve him, that is obedience, obeying God's word. When all else around you is going wrong and everybody is giving up and giving in, but you continue to serve him, that's obedience. James speaks about faith without works is dead. You see, loving God is the beginning. It's the foot in the door. But guess what? When you action that love and you begin to obey, that's another level because you're showing that I love you and now I am going to act behind that and I'm going to push through and I'm going to obey. Before I met my wife or before I married my wife and I saw her and I felt I liked that girl, it was good, but it was not good enough. It was only good the moment I took actions to fulfill that feeling that I had. Then it was good enough. Not only that, every morning when I get up, I'm going to take more actions, which means that in order for me to prove that I love her and in order for me to demonstrate my love to her, I've got to be consistent in everything that I do on a daily basis. There's no day off. There's no day of I'm quarantining from loving you today. I'm taking the time out on quarantine. I'm not loving you today. You're on quarantine, no love. No, sir, no, ma'am. It don't work that way. We've got to love him, but obey him to demonstrate our love. When you obey God, great things happen. When you obey God, signs and wonders are performed. When you obey God, miracles happen. When you obey God, the dead rise. Ask Lazarus. When God speaks forth and we obey, the impossible happens. Matthew chapter 14, verse 28 and 29. The Bible reads like this. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. And Jesus says to Peter, come. Then Peter got up, down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. I'm going to read that again. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to the water. Come, Jesus says. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. What did it take? What did it take for Peter to walk on the water? Obedience. Nothing magical. Nothing special. He never first got to Bible school for three years. He never first uh, witnessed Moses and all these things for this to happen. No, 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 no. He never first memorized the law and the Old Testament. No. All Peter had to do was obey. Now, keep in mind, there was 12 of them, but only one said, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come. And Jesus says to him, come. Peter gets up out of the boat and he starts to walk on the water. The impossible is done when you obey. What do you need from God? Obey. What's your challenge this morning? Obey. What's your difficulty? Obey. What area in your life are you suffering in? Obey. No matter what it is, obey God's word. Love him. 
Secondly, obey God's word and the impossible is made possible. I remember when I was a sinner and my life was going downhill. I was bound by alcohol. I was bound by drugs. I had a low self-esteem. I was going nowhere. Uh, society rejected me. I had broken too many people's hearts to get a second chance from them. Man had given up. They tried, but they failed. They given up. They reached their wit's end. And I was stuck. Neither here nor there. What do I do? And one day I heard the gospel being preached. And the preacher man made a call. He says, if you want to change your life, if you're expecting a miracle, if you want Jesus to come in and turn everything in your life upside down for the better, if you want your life to completely be transformed, if you are drug addict, you are alcoholic, and you need change, if you try to give up on your own and you fail, the preacher, said to, the preacher man said to me, come to the altar, come to the old rugged cross. He says, Jesus is here. The power of the blood is here. He says, all you've got to do, boy, all you've got to do, man, is call on the name of Jesus. Come to the altar, obey his word, and watch God do great things in your life. And guess what? All I had to do was come to the old rugged cross. All I had to do was come to the altar and obey the call. And guess what? The day I obeyed the call, the chains of sin were broken. The demon of alcohol was cast out. Demon of drug addiction was cast out. The demon of hate and unforgiveness was cast out. The old man was left behind there at that altar, not because I was special, not because I was different, but only because I obeyed. What am I saying to you, child of God? Obey. Amen. Whatever God says to you to do in this time, I encourage you, do it. Obey. That's the second one. The third one I want to talk about this morning is sacrifice. Now, this is a word that may as well be vulgar in the church. Sacrifice. Nobody wants to sacrifice. Sacrifice. It's like blasphemous now in the church. No one talks about sacrificing no more. I work in the prison system. The prison is full of people that cannot sacrifice. And because they cannot sacrifice, they cannot work in a community crime. Sacrifice. The 21st century suffers from a lack of sacrifice. There are children all over this world who are abusing their parents because they want to get an inheritance. They don't want to work for it. It must come off dad's back. It must come off mom's back. Sacrifice. Everything has got to be easy. Give me, give me, give me is the world's mentality. Nobody wants to make the sacrifice. You see it in our country. We were told in order for you to keep clear from the COVID, social distance. One requirement, social distance. Wash your hands. The people cannot do that. Sacrifice. It's too hard. It's too hard. It's too tough. Sacrifice. We sit in our churches. Everybody's talents live a certain way. People choose to leave and go do their own thing in the world because it's too tough. It's too difficult. Sacrifice. It's this one word that has little fear in the lives of all. Why must we work at stuff? Why must we pay the price? Why must we pay the penalty? Why must we give up our desires? Sacrifice. 
1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 24 to verse 27. This is Paul writing. He says, Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? He says, Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last. But we, Christians, do it to get a crown that will last forever. He says, therefore, I do not run as somebody running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. He says, no, I strike a blow to my body and I make it my slave. Hear that? I strike a blow to my body and I make it a slave so that after I preach to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. What is God telling us? God is telling us that, guys, we are in a race as a born-again believer. We are part of a, fa a family of people that are on a journey. We are pursuing God. And while we are on this journey, he says you've got to have the intention to win. Now, you ask any athlete, ask Usain Bolt, the fastest man on the planet, ask him, he'll tell you, in order to be the best, he's got to put in the work. He's got to put in the effort. He's got to discipline himself. He's got to wake up early in the morning. He cannot be living at McDonald's. No, he's an athlete. In order to be an athlete, he's got to sacrifice. He's got to eat certain food. He's got to train himself because he's got an objective he wants to win. In order to win, you've got to pay the price. You've got to sacrifice. Ask any successful businessman. They'll tell you. In order to be successful, they've got to observe a budget. They've got to have strict discipline. They can't work for one hour and expect a result of 10 hours. They've got to put in the work, sacrifice. As a child of God, if you're looking at serving Jesus and being successful in the kingdom, guess what? You have got to sacrifice. You've got to pay the price. What does Paul say there? Paul says, I make my body a slave. Wow, what words? I make my body a slave. In other words, I take my body, the evil desires of the old nature, I take those desires and I subject them to the word of God by force. The things I want to do, I find hard to do. That's what Paul spoke of. So he's got to take this body. You and I have got to take our attitude of the old Adamic nature of taking it easy and thinking in the surfboard, it's a cruise. No, 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 no. You've got to make the effort to call on the name of Jesus. What does the Bible say? Seek, and then you'll find. It says that. It says, knock, and the door shall be opened. You see, you've got to be able to pay the price. David says, I will not give unto God nothing that won't cost me anything. Sacrifice. Jesus but our salvation, not through going to the shop and just purchasing it over the counter. It was a straightforward transaction. Jesus never sent a text to the kingdom of darkness. Okay, I'm freeing these people. No, 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 no. Jesus had to pay the price. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him by his stripes. It was no easy thing. No, a price had to get paid. In fact, Quite literally, blood had to be shed. Blood had to be shed. The Bible says, 
you have not yet resisted against sin to the shedding of blood. What am I saying to you? There's a price that's going to be paid. Serving Jesus is not a walk through the roses. Serving Jesus requires us to dig deep. It requires us to get up early in the morning and seek his face. It requires us to speak the word of truth. And sometimes we'll be opposed. But guess what? You've got to continue to speak the truth. It requires us to be different. We don't go in out of anger and fight anybody, no. But because we choose to live this particular way, guess what? There are challenges that will come our way. We've got to sacrifice. I work in a hostile environment, and the nature of my job attracts people who are also uh, that way inclined. My colleagues are guys that are very macho. They're very tough guys, and they're tough, and they're ex-army guys, and they're ex-police, and the guys drink. Every day after work, the guys drink. The guys leave their wives at home and they go and they get with other ladies in the pubs and that. And every day they challenge me to go down that, uh, down that route. But guess what I've got to do? Because I've made the choice of serving Jesus, as much as I like my friends and I trust them at work that they've got my back, guess what? I've got to make that daily sacrifice of guys. I stand for Jesus. I stand for righteousness. I stand for truth. I will not compromise. As much as I like you as my friend, I cannot go and do ungodliness with you because I serve a higher purpose. Sacrifice. Everything we do as children of God has got to be laced with sacrifice. When everybody's giving in, everybody's giving up, sir, ma'am, boy, girl, you and I have got to lay our lives down and sacrifice. What does the Bible say? Obedience is better than sacrifice. You see how it marries? It's love. It's obedience. It's sacrifice. Peter, Lord, if it's you, call me to come to you. Jesus says, come, he obeys. When Peter's preaching and he is persecuted, He's learned the art of sacrifice. I'll continue to preach. He gets locked up in the jail. I'll continue to preach. They get driven out of Jerusalem. I'll continue to preach. Sacrifice. The reason why you and I are here today is because the gospel was preached to us. Because one man, you may not know him, but somebody, somewhere, made the decision to sacrifice their time to preach. Somebody, somewhere, made the decision to get on their knees and pray for your salvation. Somebody, somewhere, made the decision to dig into their pockets and pay for a tent crusade, pay for to hire a hall so that they could get the gospel to you. Sacrifice. There's no serving God without sacrifice. The Bible says, unless a kernel of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it abides alone. But if it dies, it brings forth much fruit. In order for there to be growth, it's got to be spread up a death of the old man. In order for you to rise up as a strong believer, you've got to say like what John says, I must decrease that Jesus might increase. Sacrifice. This word has got to be used in our vocabulary daily as children of God. We've got to make that sacrifice. 
When I'm angry, I can't lose my temper and fight. No, I've got to be loving. I've got to sacrifice. Turn the other cheek to the Bible. Sacrifice. Walk the extra mile. Sacrifice. Love them that hate you. Pray for them that despitefully use you. You can see the nature of God. Sacrifice. I've got one more thing I want to talk about before I close. Now, if I don't mention this, it'll be wrong. I'll be fighting. The danger of not pursuing God. The danger of not pursuing God. 2 Samuel chapter 11, verses 1 and 2. 2 Samuel chapter 11, verses 1 and 2. Bible reads like this in the New International Version. In the spring, at the time when kings go off to war, David sent Joab out to the king's men and the whole Israeli army. They destroyed the Ammonites and besieged Rabbah. Here's the next sentence. But David remained in Jerusalem. One evening, David got up from his bed and he walked around on the roof of the palace. From the roof, he saw a woman bathing. The woman was very beautiful. You see, David was a man of the God's own heart. David was inducted as a soldier. He rose up as a soldier, became king, blessed by God, a man of victory, man of the God's own heart. He started off pursuing God. His best foot forward. He fought and he pressed through and he pursued God. He was obedient. He loved God. He was a man at sacrifice. But guess what happened to David? David thought he would take a moment and pause. You see, symbolically, he stood because it was COVID-19. And everything had to take a pause. I'm not going to pray now, it's COVID-19. I'm not going to be in fellowship, it's COVID-19. There's restrictions. I'm not going to be faithful to the house of God. There's restrictions. I will, I will cool myself down. I won't be diligent in the things of God no more because it's COVID-19 season. Let's take a chill. Let's take a back seat and just relax and not do anything no more. The Bible says it was a time, a season when kings went out to war to do what kings do. He was the best at that. But David thought he'd have a layback. Remember Samson? Remember Samson? He did the very same thing. But comfortable. Sat back. The Bible says they were winning. God was giving the army victory. But David was not there because David was sitting back. He was too comfortable. His, his, his reputation and the place that God had given him had put him to a point where he was arrogant and comfortable. Did not go out and fight. And one day, while walking on the roof, his eyes look down and he sees something he would have not normally seen. But because he was idle, because he was comfortable, because he was proud, the Bible says pride comes before a great fall. Because he thought he was a strong man and did not need to pray no more. Because he thought he knew it all. He's been through the Bible school. He's been through the scriptures. He's preached powerful sermons. Why should he still work hard on his salvation? Why should he build himself up in the most holy faith? 
because he got an attitude of comfort and arrogance. He was on the rooftop and he saw something he did not normally see and sin entered his heart. From the act of laziness and comfort, David committed a murder. A child was killed or a child died. Blood was on David's hands. All because he got comfortable. What am I saying to us this morning? With COVID-19, with the way the world is, don't get comfortable. Do not stop pursuing. Do not stop working. Do not stop building yourself up in the most holy faith. Do not neglect the gathering of yourselves together. In fact, if anything, you've got to work harder. You've got to push more forward. You've got to make more of an effort to pursue God and fight through and challenge yourself to do more in the kingdom. You've got to rise up more and say, God, you know what? I want to be a better believer than I was yesterday. And every step you take, work on your salvation. Every step you take, get closer and closer and closer to, uh, to, to the Lord. Matthew chapter 13, verse 58. Bible says, And Jesus did not do many miracles there because of their lack of faith. Jesus did not do many miracles there because of the lack of their faith. You see, when you stop pursuing God's kingdom, when you stop and you get comfortable and you lay back, as much as Jesus has so much to give, he cannot give you because our faith levels drop and we can't receive from him. He could not perform many miracles there because of the lack of their faith. Nothing's wrong with God. Nothing's wrong with Jesus. Sometimes it's you and I who've got to basically up our game. Get off our bed of comfort. Get off our bed of laziness. Stop being arrogant and think that we know it all. No, 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 no. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord, the Bible says, and he will lift you up. If my people who are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray, pray seek my face, then, hey, then only will I turn. I'll hear their prayers. I'll heal their land. But they've got to humble themselves and they've got to pray. Child of God, you and I have got to humble ourselves before God and pray. Amen. The Bible says in closing, those that endure to the end, they shall be saved. Don't be too comfortable now, child of God. Those that endure to the end, they shall be saved. You and I have got to understand that we are in a race, in a journey. Let's use these tools. Loving God. Obeying his word. Making the sacrifices. And when we put all of these things together, Jesus Christ is able to deposit more and more and more in us because the old man dies. John the Baptist said, I repeat, I must decrease that he must increase. Let Jesus grow in us. The more space we give him, let him take more and more control. I want to close with this last story. There's a man, I heard this from an old lady, there was a man who, who was having a hard time in his home. And whenever he'd go to bed, you know, um, he had a voice shouting out loud. There'd be pots and pans moving around in his home. There'd be so much noise, he'd be restless and he couldn't sleep. Night after night, this man 
could not sleep. It got to a point where he had to chase his family out the home. His wife and his kids are like, look, guys, they're going to leave. There's no peace in this home. And, I mean, for days on end, you know, it was just trouble. Night after night after night. One day his neighbor spoke to him and said, hey, sir, I know somebody that can help you. I know a man that can help you and give you peace in your home. But you've got to invite this person into your home. He's like, okay, who's this person? The neighbor said to him, this man's name was Jesus. Invite him into your home. And when he comes in, he's the prince of peace. You'll get peace in your home. He's like, okay, I'll invite Jesus. The man invites Jesus into his home. He says, Jesus, I've given you the biggest room in my home. The biggest room. I've got this room decked out. It's beautiful. It's fancy. There's air conditioning. There's heating. There's fruit bowls. I mean, whatever you need is in this room. The biggest room in this house. Jesus says, okay, thank you. He goes into that room. This man goes to bed. The next morning, he's even more upset. He comes, he's banging on the door. Wake up, wake up, wake up, Jesus. Jesus says, what's, what's wrong? He says, I never sleep last night. Nothing changed. The pots were going around. The house was going upside down. My room was upside down. Look at me, I'm a mess. I never sleep. Jesus says, yes, I know. The man is upset. How, how can you know this and not be loving and, and, and compassionate? Jesus says, the room you gave me was peaceful. That one room had no issues in it. That one room you gave me was perfect. The man's eyes opened because he realized Jesus did not want only one room. He wanted the whole house. Him only could he take control. What am I saying to you this morning? Jesus wants your whole life, your mental situation, your occupational situation, your spiritual life, your financial life, your marital life, your family. He wants every avenue, every part of you. Give him all of you, and then he will be able to make the change that all of you need. I'm going to pray. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I can be all in your home. I don't know. Whatever's wanting you, sir, ma'am, this morning... Jesus is able to meet you at the point of your need. Jesus this morning is able to enter your place. He can heal your sick body. He can, he can save your son and your daughter who's not saved. He can restore life into your marriage. Jesus can do the impossible for you. Uh, if it's university, he can push you through there. Jesus is able to make the impossible possible in the 21st century. Yield yourself to him this morning and he'll do the impossible. But give all of you. That's the requirement. He wants all of you. Come unto me, all of you, that labor, and I will give you this. Let's pray. Dear God, we come before you this morning in the name of Jesus. Father, I just speak life into everybody that's at the other end of the screen. Touch them right there in Jesus' name. Touch those sick bodies, I pray. In the mighty name of Jesus. Healing virtue upon that sick body right now in Jesus' name. Healing is your children's prayer. Healing, I pray in Jesus' name. Touch that marriage, oh God. Touch that home. Bring peace into that home, oh God. Allow them to turn to your word and turn to Jesus. Change mentalities and mindsets through your word, through your word, oh God. I pray for a hunger and a thirst after your word. I pray for you, oh God, sons and daughters, to yield themselves unto you. I pray that God they will fall on their knees and come to the old rugged cross and call on you. I pray that God, our spirituality and our Christianity does not stop 
while the world is all stopped in their own homes. No, sir, let us continue to serve you and seek you, O oh God. I pray a blessing, O oh God. Allow signs and wonders to follow, O oh God, the preaching of your word. And let your word bring forth fruit after its own kind. In the mighty and powerful name of Jesus, amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. God bless you. Hallelujah. I'm going to give it over to 